Alright, I have hit the record button. Button has also now been hitted. Hitted? I like that. Hate, 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 hate it. It's all the same. Alrighty, three, two, one. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of Kent and the steering team. Not only another week, another year. It's a whole new year. Uh, as always, you were joined by myself, Drew, my good mate, Phil. Unfortunately, Ken couldn't be here this week. He's actually in the kitchen getting the popcorn ready. Good man that he is. Anyway, on with the show. Mr. Phil, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Mr. Drew. I'm coming to you from a new decade, a new year, a new day, a new week, a new episode, a new everything. Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And uh, Totally good. Yeah, and yourself, you, how are you? Everything good? I'm good, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling pumped, I'm awake at this ungodly hour, it's yes. 26 in the morning, yes. but I am awake, and I am excited, and yes, a new decade, because last week we had a whole conversation about this, it is a new decade, Yes. I refuse to acknowledge it as anything less. Correct, I completely agree with you, and uh, yeah, it's a new decade, of course it is. It is. But more than that, I'm actually really excited for this week's episode. I have been looking forward to this, and I've had to scramble at the last minute, yep. but that's okay. Yep. This week, we are doing our top 10 movies of 2019. Yes, we are. What a, what a, fantastic, um, what a fantastic opportunity for us to look back at the year in film and see what we liked, see what we didn't like. Obviously, those ones I think will come so. a little later for me. But um, yeah, look, we've decided to, to sit down and pen out our top 10 films each um they're not going to be this the same they might be similar but they're probably not hopefully they're not going to be exactly the same um and uh yeah look uh, i i think i think it, it just it's funny i'm saying this before we've even recorded this one i think we we're meant to do this for a couple years worth of films um and i don't think we did so i think perhaps we should go and retros- retrospectively do previous years of this depending on how successful this is I- I, th- I think we should too, but more than that, I'm having a I'm having a terrible thought here, and I say it's terrible because it's going to involve a bit of work for us. But and I'm even prepared to do this over the next week. But yes. we should consider a top ten of the decade. Uh, yeah, I like I, that idea. I know. I hate I it, know, but I, I like gr- it. <laughs> I groaned in my head as I thought. I was like, "Fuck." I'd have to look out oh, what came God. out this decade and. Uh, but okay. Oh, look, there are Wikipedia pages for the year in film, so you can see every movie released every year. Uh, so That's not an issue. It's, it's trawling through, <laughs> and do you know what it probably is? It's making a top 10 for each year and then creating a top 10 out of 100 films. Yeah, I guess. But honestly, so. from 2010 to 2019, that is what it will be. Or it's literally taking the top one from every year and then ranking them in order. You could, yes. I don't know. But, well, that is, yeah, that is essentially what it would yeah, be. Yeah, it's it's like you come down to the grand finale. Uh, not yes, a bad we, idea, though. No, it's not a bad idea at all. It's not a bad idea at all. I mean, it, again, we well, we could do that almost as yes on the back of the fact that the decade's just ended, but we could go through and do each top 10 from each year kind of build up the counting backwards from now um and then kind of go through and go okay let's go through and let's let's give our top 10 of the decade then i don't know we're, we're way too late on it but nonetheless i think it's a great idea and i think we should should definitely do that yeah so stay tuned folks we will definitely investigate that <laughs> yes anyway on idea. with the show yes indeed 
we're we're gonna crack right into it because knowing us, we're gonna talk for ages about all of this. Yes. Um, I think we should kick in with the top ten, and then afterwards we've got some honourable and dishonourable mentions for the year as well. Mm, yes, we do, and I so think. I- yeah, we'll crack onto those at the end. Um, yeah, we're, yeah, because we won't go into as much detail about them. But no. yeah, let's kick into our top ten. Um, I will happily let you kick off your number ten before I dive into it. Thank and you. I think we'll just go back and forth. We'll do our. Um, we'll just go one at a time for each one as we count down. Yeah. Yep. Sounds like a good idea. Easy. So coming in at number ten for you. Number ten. It is the only. Marvel film that makes the list for me, um, and that is Avengers Endgame. Um, Interesting. Yeah, look, I, I was I was trying to decide whether once again it's it's Spider Man that wins it out for Marvel film of the year for me, but I think it's Avengers Endgame. In fact, I know it's Avengers Endgame. It it actually on the list for a while was Spider Man, but I, I've changed it out to be Avengers Endgame. Um, I say Avengers Endgame because. It was a culmination in how many films? 20... Oh, 20-something God, films. I 22, I think. 22 or 23 films, something like that. Um, culmination of 23 films um, in one big crescendo finale. Um, I think more importantly for me, the, the way that Infinity War kind of had its twist or had its crunch time was something which I think is an absolute deadly sin in film, which is to have it pivot on a out-of-character stupidity moment. Um, and so then this one had to recover from that, finish the series off. They left it in a very kind of... They wrote themselves into a little bit of a corner and they managed to write themselves out of it and give us a very fitting ending, I thought. Um, yes. They also greatly kind of s- summed up and finished off some some actors' contracts as well, um, interestingly. So I think that they, they did a lot of interesting things with that film, I think think that they used i think they could have had more usage of a lot of the cast i think that a lot of the cast was off the screen for a long time however i think that they also i think that i think the fact that they had the boldness to not have the majority of the cast on screen for most of the film and only come in as a you know it all kind of everyone coming back towards the end of the film there I think that was bold and I think it worked for them and it showed that they were really confident in the script that they wanted to have and the film that they wanted to make. Um, they didn't kind of give in to the peer pressure or, or the, the public pressure of having to have everyone on screen as much as they possibly could. Um, I think it was really interesting to see the Avengers, you know, we've seen them kind of dabble with the idea of being kind of beaten down and, and suppressed by the world, but this time they had absolutely uncomprehensively no comprehensively beaten by someone else they've been defeated how do they come back from that and i thought it was interesting i liked the the storyline i liked the way it all came together i like what it represented um yeah i think that all the acting was very real i think that the use of score and the lack of score was also really interesting um you know the mindset they made you feel throughout the film that you know you you weren't sure if it was gonna you knew you you knew it had to come good but you weren't weren't sure at what sacrifice and I think that they had that a very good trade off of victory over defeat throughout the film um, so for that reason it's my number ten fair yeah I can't argue with any of that honestly yep 
thank you. And the reason I can't argue with any of it is because it's also my number 10. <laughs> of course it, of course it <laughs> is. Of course it is. <laughs> of course. I knew that it was, I knew it was on the list. Um, I, I, I always knew it was on the list. And then I got a little scared that it might get bumped off. But mm-hmm. it still, to me, it earns its place. I remember like it was yesterday going to an overnight movie marathon at Greater Union in Marion in Mm -hmm. Adelaide Mm -hmm. and watching Iron Man, Indiana Jones and Cloverfield. Mm -hmm. And it was the fact that in the middle of the night I was seeing Iron Man for the first time and realizing that this movie was an absolute game changer. It really was. And then seeing Nick Fury in the credits bring up the word Avengers. And for 16-year-old me that had been reading Marvel comics for years, who had grown up watching every possible Marvel cartoon, like, like that was such a cool thing. But 16-year-old me had no idea that 27-year-old me was going to be sitting in a cinema watching all all of that evolve over a decade. Yeah. Like, there yeah. was no way of knowing what was going to happen there. No, it's... And I think true. that they they wrapped up a chapter beautifully. I think it was an uphill task what they did, and I think they were shooting for the moon and they actually made it. And... Part of the reason Endgame works so well is because Infinity War worked so well. And Infinity War was bold. Mm -hmm. And you had the villain win. And it had so much impact. And I remember everyone just walking out of the cinema at Infinity War just in shock. No one saw that coming. Well, again, it was the first time we'd lost, basically. And... When is the last time before that that you went into a superhero movie and watched the good guys lose and it just cut there? Exactly. It's like, no, no, there is, there's no redeeming moment. It is literally, you have lost, this is the end, and the villain sits there victorious and happy, and that's it, and we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no... Yeah, so true. I think they earned the payoff of Endgame. And I, I like what you said about the use of score and, and then the use of no score and, yeah. and how that played into it. Also, the fact that Alan Silvestri crafted the single greatest moment of Marvel cinematic anything with the piece of music that plays when all the portals open. Back to the Future. That, yeah, yeah, Mr. Back to the Future <laughs> yeah. that has composed Avengers and then Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, that, that moment was, I mean, he just, I, again, he, he used music in the most appropriate way or, or score in the most appropriate way, which was yeah. to really kind of lift you up and be like, wow, like, you know, you're amazed at this moment. You're amazed at what you're seeing on screen, but also the music's kind of ma- filling you with the hope and the excitement and the drive and the, you know, the everything. Yeah, yeah it was a fantastic moment. And. Honestly, I know we've already done an episode where we spoke for an hour about Endgame, but I could speak hours more about it. There were so many things in there. There were, it was so many wonderful things. And 
I just remember how much we enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Again, I saw it on the and road, how... but I had to make sure that I stopped somewhere and saw it. Exactly. And and the mm-hmm. fact that we, we couldn't stop talking about it after watching it. And I then I remember it. going again with Bianca and I, like, I, I think I saw it two or three times at least. Mm. It was just this phenomenon. And it was cool to see everyone brought together for something like that, which only happens in a rare case of movies. Well, absolutely. And also kind of the camaraderie with, with all the fans, you know, genuinely yeah. keeping the secret quiet. Um, that astounded me how yeah, well that, that doesn't happen. actually played out. That doesn't out. happen anymore. No. Even for Star Wars, I've, I've noticed people have had it spoiled for them and I've been really d- disappointed about that. Mm. But yeah, yeah, look, it, I think it earns its place, and you're right. Like, it, like with the Marvel movies this year, like there had to be one in there, and I think this is the one that belongs in there. And not, and not just because you, it's the one you'd think would be in there. It's because I think it but, earned it. I think it did. Again, I, I would, in any other year, I would say Spider Man would probably automatically get it with John Favreau doing it, and also just the 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 way it plays out and how enjoyable Spider Man yeah. is as a character. Um, you know, it just, it just, I mean, if you look at the, the previous year that, that, it, um, there was Spider-Man in there, Spider-Man was my favorite. Um, yeah. and this could have easily have been there, but I think that, I think that yeah, it, it could Endgame have, lived up to its, its kind of need. Yeah. 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 And look, like it, it was the only Marvel movie that made my list, but more than that, and, and I'm sure this is going to get controversial for the rest of our lists. It's the only comic book movie that made my list this year. Uh, it's not for me, but... I, I, figured it, I figured it wasn't for you, but we'll get into my reasoning why... Abs- absolutely. And I exactly didn't make my list. And I know your reasoning, um, but I'd love to hear it anyway. But yes. Yeah. But yeah, look, number 10. All right. Uh, do you want to kick on to number nine? Yes, number nine. Number nine is... Look, despite how comfortable I was with this list, I'm still not 100% sure that... And and I think that it's my own doing as to why this is here. But my number nine is It Chapter 2. It did make the list, and I wasn't sure it was going to. I I mean, it it somewhat doesn't deserve to be there, but I think that it kind of does. And I put it above (sighs) Avengers Endgame. A couple reasons why it did. A couple reasons why it did. It had a huge effort. There was so much that it had to fit in into the movie. A lot. There is. I I praised it at the time for pacing itself pretty well for the amount of content it had to fit in. Because it had a shitload. It could have easily been a four-hour movie, I think. um, Yep. With just how much it had to do. Um, It had a lot of story to tell. Not a lot of time to tell it. It had a lot of scenes to to play which i don't think you could have cut out any of them really um i then kind of criticized it when i saw other films and the pacing of them dr sleep Mm. most notably i think that that did a much better job at pacing with a lot of content uh, and a lot of time to tell it i would agree but but i put it in there and i put it in there because i really love that world i really love the story it was telling I really love the yeah. actors that were in it. I think that they did a pretty remarkable job at casting older I versions agree. of the kids. Um, yeah. You know, especially when they they hadn't even thought about that when they did the uh, it chapter one. 
I thought it was yeah. nice to go back to the world. I think that the themes they used and the way they kind of linked what we knew 27 years ago kind of in the movie world, what we knew 27 years ago to see the same things happening again with Pennywise mm. and the way they felt and kind of get that much more... As, as a kid, well, well, with the kids... We it was kind of un, we were unsure why the parents couldn't really acknowledge what was going on. No one was really aware of what was going on except for the kids, and it was so scary that they were so alone. And there wasn't that kind of stupid thing in movies where it's like just ask the parents, like obviously, or just ask the police or something. No, this was a situation where they couldn't do any of that. And now to be twenty seven years down the line, um, and and see, and I think that they did a really good job of transforming the script from book to film. I love the fact yeah. that they got Stephen King involved with that. You know, yes, there are probably... Again, not the fault of the film. It felt a little bit rushed. But again, because it kind of had to. It's not its fault. Um, I think that it, it... it, The use of Stephen King in trying to write this, and get his involvement on it, the way that they were able gonna... to... Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it'll benefit from an extended cut. I, I think it will. Absolutely. Um... I, I think that my detriment for it was that I saw it three three times in the space of about a week and a half. Um, so I kind of... I mean, again, it's a very heavy film to watch in the sense that there's a lot happening. It's quite a long runtime as it is. And I saw, saw it three, it three times. times. Yeah, I saw it three times within about a week and a half. So I think I overplayed it for myself, which I think beat up my own confidence about the film. But otherwise, no, I really enjoyed the film. Yeah, what were you saying? I've got the nagging feeling I only saw it once. Yes, yeah, I saw it three three times, and That's uh, weird. yeah, yeah, and and look, um, I I think that the film was a lot stronger than I'm I'm kind of giving it my own credit for in my own mind. I mean, in terms of where I, I play it, and it's because I saw it so many times in such a short amount of time. Um, and unlike Avengers Endgame, which is kind of this massive crescendo of ten years of films, this is kind of yeah, it's less significant in that setting so therefore it didn't require that many viewings um but i did anyway and yeah look i i think that it was a great storyline i love revisiting Derry. i loved again the yes. casting i loved the acting i love the way all, they all interacted with each other i as I someone Stephen that king's cameo yeah i love Stephen king's cameo as someone that didn't read the book i loved the way that i got to see the world or how it ended i loved the idea of why they couldn't remember things i love the way they used that I loved kind of the suddenness of, you know, one of them killing themselves before anything even happened, like, mm. you know, out of fear. You know, I loved this whole thing of fear. They played on fear so strongly. And I loved that. So it does get a place in my top 10. It gets number nine. That's that. I'm, yes. I'm surprised and I'm not that mm -hmm. it made it in there. Mm -hmm. It actually didn't make my list. No, but again, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surprised by I, that. Because, again, I thought that it was kind of... I thought it was going to be, like, my number one, and then it didn't make my list, and I, I yeah. was shocked. Yeah, see, I... I it's in, it's funny that. It's like, I think it deserves its place in the top ten, but at the same time, I'm surprised it made it in the top ten. Yeah. You know, like, it, it it's just it's such a hit-and-miss sort of one, but I think that it... I think it, it, it was more significant than something like Endgame, which is kind of just a superhero movie... I mean, yeah, I know it's, it's I, unfair I, to I say agree. just a superhero movie, and, but yeah. And look, we're both we're both big fans of Stephen King's work, so it's yeah. like it's I don't know. I, 
I don't know. I, I still have a lot of feelings about it, but I need to buy it and watch it a couple more times. Fair. But yeah. Um, number nine, Drew? Number nine. Uh, yeah, God. Um, look, number nine for me is Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh-huh. Um, I knew it was in my top ten. Yeah. But quality of film-wise, I look at everything else in the ten and... It's not the top. It's not even near the top. No, yeah. But I still believe it has its place, not because it's Star Wars necessarily. I have very deep love of Star Wars, like so many people do. Mm-hmm. And I knew what... I, I followed every step of what was going on in the production of this film. And it was a Herculean task to, to even get this movie made. And I think they did an outstanding job with what they had to work with. Mm-hmm. And completely I am agree. satisfied with the conclusion. I completely agree. The only thing that irked me, and yeah, I know it's still fresh, but the spoiler ban on the internet lifted on January 1st, so mm-hmm. I, I can say whatever I want. Um, the only thing irk- that irked me was um, Ray taking the last name of Skywalker at the end. I thought that was dumb. I completely it was agree. A terrible move. I completely Terrible agree. move. She should have either just stuck with her actual surname of Palpatine, or she should have said no- nothing and just said just Ray. I think she and could have rocked that the last have been name the most Palpatine. Powerful. I think she could have just yeah. pa- pa- uh, you know made Palpatine yeah. into a strong last name rather than what it was. But yeah. anyway, sure, go yeah, with Skywalker. I. I don't know. I think they were trying to show the symbolism that Skywalker means more than the bloodline. It, it represents a strength or something like that. But I don't know. It didn't come across that way. It came across as cheese ball, but not in an endearing mm. way. Well, also, if you think about it, that, that that whoever that was talking to her being like, no one's lived here for a long time. And if she suddenly said my last name Skywalker, they could be like, well, hang on. Oh, aren't yeah. you related to, you know... Yeah. Your your relatives died yeah. here. They got fried. You know, what do you think about that? And she'd be like, oh, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, well, of course but, you don't. No, but you're remember, Owen and, Owen and Baru didn't have the last name Skywalker. Okay. Fair enough. They had whatever... Um, oh, Lars. That was their last name. Owen Lars. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Drew, yeah. I'll, look, I'll, I'll crack onto it just so I can join the, cons- the, the discussion. My number eight... My number yeah. eight is Star Wars. Yep, episode fair. nine. Yeah, so that's where Star Wars sits yep. on my list. It's it's there too. And look, I completely agree with yeah. you. It, it is. It's a um, you're finishing off, you know, three trilogies worth of films with this one. Um, Do you think they they did it that they encapsulated all three trilogies in one movie? Um, I don't know if, about the the prequel trilogy but i think they definitely did the the you know the five before it kind of thing episode yeah. four five six and seven and eight i think they kind of got the prequels in the fact that they were comfortable saying palpatine all the time which in the original trilogy the I've word palpatine is never actually uttered once yeah yeah it's just he is the emperor yeah, um, oh, I guess so in that that regard. Yeah, but I mean, again, we did our review on it the other week, and and it's 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 such a it's a bit like Endgame, and it's a 
bit like it chapter two and that's what kind of the i think i think only these bottom three films for me kind of are is that they're in some ways hit and miss in some ways hit and miss not yep. that i think endgame is particularly hit and miss but i just it's it's you know it, it lacks some of the unique kind of storylines compared to other films but having said that Endgame's special because it is a bit different for a superhero film um, it was but End- Endgame had the unique the unique thing of being three movies in one yeah where where like it was a three act thing but each act felt like it had its own three act structure to it yeah yeah and and look i i think that this one's ugh, again a little bit hit and miss but nonetheless it's worthy of a place and it's worthy of, in my list position of number yep. 8 um i think that yep. is quite strong um it i think that it was a good star wars film i think it was kind of better than you know uh, uh, rise of uh, not better than um the force, force awakens. awakens um and i yep. think it was on par but in a different kind of vein of where uh, the force awakens should have been compared yep. to the rise of skywalker i uh, say not rise of skywalker um the last jedi yep is that the last one last jedi yeah that was eight. yeah number eight um yeah i look i don't know but i think that it is worthy of its place on my list and everything that you said is correct and that's why it's my number eight what was your number eight drew uh, my number eight was a movie I wanted to see, but I actually only really pushed to do it at your insistence, mm-hmm. and that is Ford versus Ferrari. Yes, excellent. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, I I sat there in awe the whole movie. I was just grinning from ear to ear, loving every second of footage. And on, honestly, from here to to my number one, mm-hmm. any of these movies in theory could have sat anywhere in the numbers. Yeah. So it was really hard from here to actually number the rest of the movies because they all brought me so much enjoyment. Mm-hmm. I, so I'm, it, like, I'm, it's been tricky. I'm mostly with you. It's funny. A film that sits uh, high, slightly higher in the list is probably the only one that wouldn't be allowed to be at number one for me. But having said that though, I'm kind of the same for my next, my top seven is basically, as you said, um, any of them could have been number one, all but yeah. one of them, I should say. Um, yeah. And in fact, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll chime in here again because my number seven yep. is Le Mans sixty six Ford vs Ferrari as well. That's my Beautiful. that's my number seven. Um, ah. See, I, look, as as a racing lover, as a as a massive yep. fan of car racing, I had some issues with the sensation of speed that they showed, and and a little bit disappointed with a lot of the animation. I think that if you look at Rush by um, Ron, uh, Howard. Ron Howard. I think that that film also has a little bit too much special effects, but they've used, but they have gone far enough with using kind of recreation of the cars and the, the models and stuff like that. But I Again, love the way it was shot, like the no, real I, I, car sequences. Yeah, yeah, the way I they were shot. Completely agree. It was something else. I thought it was, and excellent. the last time, mm-hmm. the last time I'd seen anything like that was Rush. Yeah, same, same for me, same for me, and and. Wow. I thought that um, yeah, look, some of the the animation was a little bit here or there. The um, sensation of speed was a little bit here or there. But having said that, though, to grasp the wider audience, it did a great job. The story was yeah, it took some liberties, but of course it needs to. Again, you need to make a story out of something that's history, you know. So they, I think they did a fairly good job of that as well. Um, yeah. I thought that Christian Bale did an amazing job. 
Um, yeah. Uh, Who I, I knew th- he and Matt Damon would have chemistry? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I thought that Matt Damon did an amazing job as Carol Shelby. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know it, it's funny to have Matt Damon playing someone like um, like Shelby. You know, Carol Shelby is someone with so much personality, and, and to have Matt Damon... I thought that Matt Damon did a wonderful job. Um, mm. I, I think that it was uh, interesting to see them play the bureauc- bureaucracy as villainism in the film. Um, I think that they did a good job of that. And again, look, it's it's a it's an interesting story. It's a nice story. It's a good story to watch. And it, it, it brought interest to the world that I love so much. So I, I think that it's definitely deserving to be in my list and definitely deserving to be my number seven and your number eight. Yeah, I would agree. Um, okay, that brings me to my number seven. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Knives Out. It's on the list, the, is it? I loved it. Okay. I really loved it. I, I oh, It was so much fun. And every person that I've spoken to recently that's gone, oh, I'm going to go see Knives Out. Mm-hmm. I've just gotten excited for them. Mm-hmm. And then they've come back and gone, wow. I'm like, yes. Yes, you get it. It was just a stupid amount of fun. But see, and, and look, despite my criticism of it, that's yeah. that's probably the best thing about um, whodunit films is that they're, they're almost an old-fashioned kind of sit down as a family in front of the TV, have some fun, right? you know, kind of thing. That, and that's what I view whodunits as, and I think that right? I, this did a good job of that. So, look, I totally get it. it and, and as we said, our lists are our opinions and... I mean, yeah. you had fun with it. Absolutely. That's where it deserves and, to be and, on your list. And look, you hit the nail on the head. It was a sit down with the family thing. And I was so, so happy that I got to go with my parents to watch it. Yeah. It felt like childhood watching the old midday movies and it would be a murder mystery playing or like watching old Midsummer murders or murder she wrote or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just it made me really happy and i felt like a kid again watching it the entire cast was in top form for it and sure it has its weaknesses but overall i i just thought it was an excellent time at the cinema and it earned its price of admission which is all you need to ask of a film yeah, so really, I have very few complaints about that movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Ryan Johnson did an excellent job writing and directing. He turned the whodunit on its head, but still kind of followed the conventions as well, which I found really weird, but cool. Mm-hmm. It made it fresh, it made it different, and yeah, I loved it. Well, again, I mean, we've, we've done a, a, um, a review on it, um, and you can go and check that out. I think mm. it's a couple episodes ago. Um, yep. But I, I look... I respect the the twist. I love the fact that we kind of got the honest answer of what actually happened very early on into the film, and then it was kind of for us to work with the star. Um, I like the that protagonist it still kind had of working backwards. After that, no, it, exactly. You know, it wasn't fully all undone, but I love the fact that the main kind of the conventional whodunit plotline was kind of out in the open. So it was for us to try and yep. work out everything else about it and how we got to there. I thought that that was interesting. I agree. Uh, all right, that brings you to your number six. Yes, my number six. My number six is Us. 
Us is on the list for me. Um, How did that happen? Yeah, look, it it's because on reflection... And how is it so far down the list? It is, let me explain. Why well, up it's, the why list. It's, yeah, like, why, it's, why it's so far up the list. Again, I, as I said, what? any of my films above could have been number one, except for this one. It's interesting that this one places here, but How it can't be... How is on your ten? Because... Okay, like full disclosure, we loved the movie. We yes. didn't not like it. Yeah, it's because it's be- the reason why it sits up there is because I think on reflection, and and I don't mean this in that I changed my scores or anything like that, or or you know on a review that we did earlier in the year, or yeah, anything like that on it, that all that stays the same. But but as as we kind of mentioned, it it's how we view it in terms of does it achieve the price of admission? And I think it does. And I've watched it again since as well. Um, What I appreciate a lot is the fact that this is, it's, it's Jordan Peele's second writing of a film of this genre. He blew us away with get out. And I don't think it's possible to, to do the same thing again. And this was, this was interesting in that it's a film that was, it kind of turned us on our head because a bit like Knives Out in the sense that Knives Out took kind of the traditional kind of horror film, not that Get Out was a traditional horror film, but it took that kind of normal storyline of it's for you to try and um, work out the major plot line till the very end. That's when you normally work it out. This one kind of gave you, gave you the major plot line at the start. You know, the things that we saw in the trailer, we, we thought that maybe there being a second family and stuff like that. We thought that we'd have to wait like half the movie to get that. And, you know, we're going to have to wait the other half of the film to try and understand what the hell's going on and why is going on. We kind of were able to understand that by halfway through the film, we were given the answers so early long. And then the second half of the film was about trying to defeat what we knew. And that's different. You don't get that in a normal film. You don't get the, Okay, I understand what's going on. This is how I'm going to take it down. There were a, there was a lot wrong with it. I fucking know it, Drew. We both know it. We both said it. Oh, of course. We both think that there were so many things wrong wrong on it. I there's think, a, yeah. There's a number of things that are perfect with it. There, there are, and 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 so the the question yeah. comes down to: Does it outweigh what was wrong with it versus what was right with it? And I think that it, in the longevity, I think out of enjoyment for it. I think so. I mean, again, having watched it again, like had some time away yeah. from it and then gone back and watched it, I was able to enjoy it a little bit more. I think I went in the first time with a bit too much of, okay, live up to get out now. Like, show me what you can do. And I, yeah, it's not entirely fair for the film to be comparing it to something like Get Out. Again, Get Out is a Look. film that my father, who doesn't watch many films, as soon as it finished, pointed at the TV and said, that's a movie. Like, that's perfect. And I completely, wow. I completely yeah. agree. Get Out is a fucking amazing movie, and it so is. comparing it to something that's that amazing is kind of impossible and not very fair. Again, no, there's a lot, there's a lot wrong with it. Um, looking at kind of films in this sort of genre for me, I mean, mm. it's not not a, so much. I mean, I guess it's a thriller, but it's not really a thriller. But anyway, it's in, probably in the same category as The Conjuring, um, the Annabelle yeah. films, then to a greater extent. Um, you know, The Nun, we've got films Get Out as well. 
um, Pet well, Cemetery. This yeah. this is pretty high. I I put this behind the two Conjuring films and Get Out. That's where this would sit. But it's above yeah. other films like The Nun. It's above films like The Weeping Woman. It's above films like I would say it is above films um, like Ford versus um, Ferrari. I would say it's above films like Star Wars. Just because it's a different, it's a different sort of adventure. It's yeah, not it really was original, and yeah, it was original, which means a lot to me that it was original. Like that and, means so and, much. Look to me, it's going to have things that people are going to talk about and study for years. Like mm. for me, the personal, my personal highlight of the movie is the good vibration scene. That's <laughs> yeah. just yeah, that's one for the ages as far as horror sequences mm. go. That and the classroom scene that toward the end mm-hmm. I, like I those, think that, those two things branded in my brain yeah well there's things that are wrong with it too there's definitely the um getting in the car and the argument about the door to driving drove me fucking insane yeah i think that there were elements of um look it frustrated you the way a quiet place did and yeah yeah exactly stupid mistakes there were stupid mistakes from it, which are unforgivable sins yeah. but having said that though I think that the idea of, you know, the fact that you kind of worked out quite early on, I I think we worked out quite early on that the daughter had actually swapped at the start, who was now the mother, like the other one was the the right mother. So it was this whole weird kind of like, like, who do you feel sorry for? You don't know. You're not sure who to feel sorry for. It kind of put you at a very, very confused place. I, I also like the fact that this, like Get Out, seeing as it's the same writer, had a little bit of humour in there, which um, did, yes. is difficult to put in. I mean, you think of something like The Conjuring when you think of horror films and stuff. You know, The Conjuring with... There's the, the part where Ed Warren picks up the, the home, ca- home camera and goes, oh my god, like, and it's this massive bulky thing, because this is from, what, the 70s or something like that, or the 80s. It's this yeah. massive bulky camera, and he's like, oh my god, like... This thing's so light. And you're like, oh, of course, because for them it's like <laughs> new technology. It's hilarious, you know. Working slight humor into it. I know it was the same sort of humor that we saw as um, in Get Out. It was the the TSA friend was kind of the yeah. com- comic relief. I've had arguments with people about saying that there's no humor in that film or it's not intentional humor and it's just because they're black. And no, that's not the point. That was That guy was meant to be like kind of humorous. That was the point of him. Um, and I think that that definitely, we had that kind of thing again from, um, the dad in this one. I think he, he was quite funny. Um, also showing the kind of stupidity of the, the rich white family as well. But, and I know that that was kind of maybe stereotyping or like anti-racism using kind of a detriment of white people. But no, I thought it was, I thought it had humor in there. And I think that if you can weave humor into a film that is otherwise quite dark and sinister and messed up good effort like that's a great effort yeah and it's hard Hmm. it is hard um okay where are we number six yeah all right for me number six is dr sleep okay dr sleep is in there at number six for drew yeah number six um again this is the tricky thing with top tens Mm -hmm. and it's the and I debated this b- before we recorded. It's mm-hmm. the, do I rank on quality? Do I rank on personal preference? How, mm-hmm. how do I do it? And at the end of the day, 
we we do it however we want to and for me the only reason it's not any higher on the on the list is purely that there are other movies that i enjoyed more this year yep so it's not a it's not a detraction in any way from the quality of this film dr mm-hmm. sleep was phenomenal mm-hmm. i had no idea what really do expect going in except that this was a sequel to the shining mm-hmm. that was about the extent of it for me now i don't i vaguely recall bits of the shining from when i was little but i i just i didn't really remember too much more so i went out and bought the blu-ray sat at home watched the whole movie and then half an hour later i was in the cinema to watch dr sleep yep and it was all fresh and I watched it all, like, together. And I thought it was fantastic. The recreation was incredible. The story was amazing. And I love the idea that Stephen King wrote the sequel novel years later, and it immediately got optioned for a film. But they did it in such a way that it was very sensitive and caring to both its own novel, but to the predecessor. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that film. Um, I, I think that, I think whereas the, the strength of The Shining is that it kind of gives you this haunting feeling of the house. Um, yeah. Dr. Sleep gives you the haunting feeling of the world. Um, it does. And, and I also like the fact that, I think that, that one thing that's disappointing about The Shining, and again, having not read the novel, I can't say whether it's because of the novel or because of the way they did the film, which is very kind yeah. of Kubricky. Um, yeah. it doesn't touch on what the hell The Shining is at all. We don't know what that actually is, but I love the fact that we get to explore that so much more and to so much more detail in Doctor Sleep. Yeah, it almost feels inconsequential in the original. And yeah, I like that Doctor Sleep gave it its due and that that was the focal point mm-hmm. and that everything else became the background noise. Yeah, I, I also love the way that we have Donnie... Um, just so lost you know you think of the title dr sleep and you go ah well he must be you know doing something with the shining and that must be it that's that's what he does you know he must be an expert at that at this stuff no he's a complete lost cause like he's nowhere he's a mess yeah but Uh, yeah yeah it works Hmm. um but yeah no dr sleep number six um we're at the halfway point we are um number five for me is uh One thing that I've got kind of in common with with my top five is that there's a fair bit of grit in these. I I think gritty films are my favourite sort of film, and that's why a lot of these kind of um, gritty and kind of set in the 80s or 90s or even earlier, but that that really sort of gritty sort of time um, in the world... Um, even if it's set in the modern days, just if, if it's not so clean cut, like these guys aren't aren't living the, the best life and stuff like that. I love that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and that's why for me, number five is actually The Mule. Now, I really, really loved The Mule. And, and see, it's interesting now. The Mule isn't one that I kind of would have thought of until I sat down and thought about this list. Um, I viewed it only the once. I, in fact, I viewed it brief bits of it on the plane as well. Um, but I didn't think 
too much of it. I mean, I don't mean I didn't think I think too much of it. I just didn't pay too much attention to it at the time. I quite enjoyed it, but then that was kind of it. But on reflection, I think that the mule, it's an interesting one. It's kind of like, what do you do if you're in trouble? You know, there's easy money in kind of drug trading and stuff like that, or being a mule. But would you ever do that? And, And the fact that it's Clint Eastwood, who is, you know, you know so much about what he is as an actor and the roles that he's played, but here he is playing kind of this sad, somewhat pathetic old man who and directing used, himself and, and directing of course and directing as well and who who used to be a you know a florist or, or used to grow flowers for competition and suddenly this is what he's getting getting into it's just showing like mm. the lengths that this man is willing to go to to try and save his own world and kind of save his family actually which which he didn't think he would it, it's kind of the coming of the man and it is um, the saving of the face of the man. Um, and, and you know, if you haven't seen it, this is a spoiler, so for the next 10 seconds, kind of block out, block block your ears or mute it for, or something like that, or skip ahead 10 seconds. But, spoiler, the fact that it doesn't go completely right for him, you know, he doesn't end up yeah. in a good place. He ends up in prison, but he yep. gets to do what he loves. You know, there's no kind of perfect happy ending quickly write the end of the film sum it up you know you realize that the runtime's coming to an end and it has to go somewhere and it goes somewhere that's not necessarily the best place but it it it's right like that's exactly right it's not a happy ending for the sake of a happy ending it's the right ending no and and again i i love the way he portrays this kind of sad kind of taken advantage of man who then starts to just you know come into his yeah. own but still put a happy spin on it and still do his own thing and he gets to listen to his music and gets to have the fun with it like i'd happily watch that i have watched that movie um again on the plane you know and not all of it but just in and out of sleep watching it but it's it's a film that i actually really enjoyed and i didn't think i'd enjoy it as much as i did to be honest i was i wanted to go see it but i didn't think it was going to be anything too special um but no, I, I, I'm very, very comfortable with this being in my top five, to be honest. Um, and again, there's a theme that you're going to see here, and it's grit. And this one definitely had grit. And that's why I, I... Again, I love the rawness of it. The fact that he's just such a real kind of character. He's not someone that's extra special. He's not like one of his previous roles. He's not even like his role in Gran Torino. Like He is such a beaten down man but he still just gets on with it and he pushes himself to the limit like this it's it's great i love it no that's fair i do you know part of the reason it did not make my top 10 is because i went off the u.s release dates for every movie this Mm -hmm. year so it came out in the states in 2018 yeah see that's that's so i I excluded it. it That's why I had to and delete that, one of my, um, my, yeah. uh, what do we call it? Uh, honorable mentions. I had to delete it because of the release date, but no, I, this one, I, well, I went by it with us. Well, that's why, well, that's why Aquaman, Mary Poppins Returns, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Vice, none mm-hmm. of them got a look in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it just, it was simply not part of the year, so I couldn't, I couldn't get it in there. Mm-hmm. Um... Right, that leaves me with my number five. Oh, I really love this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like a lot, a lot. I went and bought it pretty much the second it came out on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. The movie in question is Rocket Man. Yep. Um, for those of you that are not aware, um, I love my music pretty well as much as I love my movies. Not that I talk about it as much. And Elton John is someone that I've I've always loved listening to, and I've grown up with his music thanks to my parents. And getting to see a movie about his life was a huge deal. And it's so brutal and blunt and real. And I watched an interview with him where, where he said he was sitting at the premiere and he just struggled. Mm-hmm. so much to see it because it was too real for him he recognized how hard it was like like watching what he'd gone through because they did it so accurately yeah and i it's really interesting because it did what bohemian rhapsody didn't do which was to shine a light on the darker things that were happening mm-hmm and it, it didn't shy away from it. It ran headfirst into it. It's the yeah. first major studio film to depict a gay sex scene. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Um, what's his name? Taron Egerton. Yeah. Egerton. And um, what's his name? Um, Richard Madden mm. as well. But I liked that it was a musical like that that it did it as a musical rather than just having the songs incidentally in there it it felt like a stage production had been adapted to a film uh comparing it to say something like bohemian rhapsody what's i mean because that's the only one of these sorts of films that i saw um yeah same sort of thing in the way that they you know work the songs in by making them actual performances and creations of the songs or bit of both yeah okay sure bit of both i think you do need to sit and watch it because i think you'll you'll count it as an exception to your musicals thing like yep. i think you'd sit and watch it and i think you would love it the way i loved it because as a movie it's a whole different ball game yeah and i've re-watched it a few times i <laughs> listen to the soundtrack frequently I, again i love elton i went to i I went to see Elton John live, what, uh, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. and On his farewell tour, and that is something I will never forget. That experience. And he briefly mentioned the movie and the fact that it was pretty realistic. Like, that, that was what he had gone through. But the movie itself is an outstanding piece of cinema, uh, directed by Dexter Fletcher, who actually stepped in to complete the directing duties on Bohemian Rhapsody. So it's kind of, well, that's good then. It's got the, the same sort of tones then. Well, directorial tones. It's got it the does. right sort of person in there then. Yeah. And, and look, I think it had the right creative team. Uh, it, it had the production team of the Kingsman films behind it. Mm-hmm. And Taron Egerton being in there. And Elton clearly just seasoned him a kindred spirit. And he, he plays Elton perfectly. I genuinely, I would be very surprised if he does not get an Oscar nom for best actor okay fantastic because he he completely transformed in it and between that and jamie bell playing bernie torpin that Mm. was another inspired bit of casting 
uh, Bryce Dallas Howard playing his mum. She's completely mm-hmm. unrecognisable in there. I'll have to give it a viewing. I mean, I, I, I was going to and I didn't, so I'll have to do that. It's worth it. I promise it's worth it. it it's just really good. Uh, that brings us to your number four. Yes, it does. And for me, that's where the Joker sits. Now, I know you've got um, a lot of kind list. of... No, I know I know it's not on your list, and I know you've got a lot of... Um, uh, opinions. <laughs> yeah, opi- opinions on it. Um, for me... Yeah. Um, See, you compare it a lot to Taxi Driver, and I get it. But also, I look, I... They're the same movie. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, though. It's not a bad it's not, thing. It's not. It's not a bad thing. It's just that it's not original. And, and the but there's a lot of things a little that bit. Are, that... But there's a lot of things that aren't original. I mean, uh, Yeah, but everyone's talking about it because it's so original. And I'm sitting here going, but it's not. I've seen the movie. It was made 40 years ago with a slightly different setting. Yeah, fair that's, enough. That, 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 that's really, that is honest to God, my only gripe with it. I love everything else about it, but that one thing is actually enough for me to keep it off my list. No, that's and, and, that, and that's fair. That's fair. But but my it doesn't waver my, my opinion of it. I think the film was wonderful. I think that um, Joaquin Phoenix yeah. did a fantastic job in it. Um, God, he did. I think that the fact that they, in many ways, pigeonholed um, it being a Joker film long after a script was kind of coming to formation, I think was quite interesting as well. And I think that they played it fantastically as well. Um, I think that I, I loved kind of the the mystique about whether or not anything actually happened or not, or whether any of this was real or not. I mean, again, it comes down to the... Which, which film was it with, um, with, uh, uh, old mate's Joker in it? The Dark Knight. Yeah, because of The Dark Knight, was it? Okay. Well, in The Dark with Knight. With Heath Ledger. Yeah, Heath Ledger. I couldn't remember his name. Yep. May you rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Um. Indeed. I think that the, the way that they, as well as the cartoons and the comics kind of, give us this idea of no one actually knows the Joker's true beginning because he can always change his story and stuff like that. I love the fact that they kind of gave us that out towards the end of the film as well. I love the fact that um, it's all a bit topsy-turvy. I love the way they worked the Waynes into it. I think that that was cool. I like that. Um, I love the fact that they didn't give us the kind of easy way that he was actually his father, because um, then that would have been a little bit more twisted about Batman mm. and all that. I think that that was interesting. I think it's almost a missed yep. opportunity that he wasn't the one that ended up shooting them, but at the same time, I totally get it as well, because um, that would have been too obvious in some ways. But look, I just I just love it, and then I love the fact that De Niro was in it. I thought yes. that was cool, especially if it is kind of, you know, looking at And look, at that things, final but, yeah. 20 minutes. Mm. That's... I hadn't seen anything like that in a movie in a long time. No, and it was Ooh, boy. it was so messy and raw and twisted and sick, and yeah, I, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was way. yeah, I thought it was so well done, and that's why it sits that high up the list for me. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad it does. Yeah, look, and and look, the inf- the unfortunate thing for me is that because my list is based off of Australian and UK release dates. Now that I'm living in the UK. It's meant yep. that I've I have had to miss out on 
um, films like Jojo Rabbit and stuff like that. So I know that they're probably going to appear in, in, in your list going forward from here. Unfortunately, it can't be in mine. Again, I'm going off of the US, uh, the UK release dates mostly because that's where I'm living. Mm. Drew's going off the US because that's kind of where we get most of our data from anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, it's it's just unfortunate. I'd love to have this in this list going forward from here. Unfortunately, it's not. I don't know what your order is now, Drew, but let's hear your number four then. This is going to be, yeah, this, is, this plays a lot into who I am and what I love. Mm-hmm. Number four is Yesterday. And yesterday, it, <laughs> it had to, it had to be in my list. Yeah. It is a culmination of so many things I love in film and music. It is a Beatles movie. I love the Beatles. Like words cannot express how much I love the Beatles. I was wearing a Beatles shirt on New Year's. Mm-hmm. I love the Beatles. <laughs> I we have set aside part of our trip to go to Liverpool to predominantly just out of love for the Beatles. Mm-hmm. It's, it is something that's just ingrained into me. Thank you, mum, for introducing me to them from day one. It's also written by one of my favorite people in film, Richard Curtis. If you don't know the name, the man is one of the creators of Blackadder, Mr. Bean, the Vicar of Dibley. He also wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, he wrote and directed Love Actually, which is in my top three movies of all time. Mm-hmm. The guy is incredible, and he is a lifelong Beatles fan who has written this fantastic movie and then got, of all people, got Danny Boyle to direct it. Yeah, that's fantastic. What a combination. Like, it is this incredible mix of wonderful talent and... I love that they came together and made something that just feels special and wholesome and beautiful. For those of you that missed it, it is about a struggling musician who, on his way home one night, is riding his bike and gets hit by a bus as the world goes through a brief global blackout. When he awakes... Post blackout in the hospital, he slowly discovers that he can remember the Beatles, but that they have essentially been wiped off the face of the earth and no one else remembers the Beatles except for him. And as he realizes this, he realizes he can claim their songs as his own to boost his career. <laughs> See, so I, still does. I still haven't seen it, and I and I will be totally honest. I missed so much publicity about this film. I didn't even hear about this film until you started talking about it. Really, um, yeah. And and like, I'm, I'm surprised first, that I didn't hear much about it. the f- The first thing I heard about it was when T Two Train Spotting came out. I heard that Danny Boyle was working on a secret musical project, and that Richard Curtis was involved because he'd written it. Mm. Then I heard that Ed Sheeran was involved and, and I didn't hear too much more. And But they never said it was a Beatles movie. And then this trailer dropped out of nowhere. And that was it for you? That, oh, that was it for me. And it, it was already it for me anyway. But the Beatles, Danny Boyle, Richard Curtis making a Beatles movie. It just, it is an incredible incredible film i love it so much 
and I, I can't recommend it enough. I really want you to watch it because I think you will enjoy it. I don't think you'll love it the way I love it, but mm. I think I love it so much because it's a culmination of my favorite things across film and music. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely reach out and watch it. I mean, I, I will. I mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's a great concept and I've, I've been meaning to watch it for a it while is. now. You, 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 you've spilled to me about it before and I've been meaning to watch it and I just haven't. So I will make yeah. sure I get to it. I promise you. That. I, th- I think you'll enjoy it a lot, but yeah, that's my number four. And now we're getting into the, uh, the real high stakes territory. Our top yes. Three. Yes, exactly. Right. And my, my what, number, what three, number three, number three for me is once upon a time in Hollywood. Interesting. Yes. Now once upon a time in Hollywood, um, I'm a, I mean, obviously we've said it before. We've done a whole episode on this as well. Once upon a time in Hollywood is a fantastic film by a fantastic director and a fantastic writer. Um, it's an, a lot of people were expecting this to kind of just be about, you know, the Manson family and everything that happened and all that went wrong. And, you know, that's kind of where people were, were, were looking at this film to go. The fact that it wasn't the fact that that just involved that. And what, one thing that I I quite like, um, with Tarantino films is that if you think you know what the story is going to be going to be about, or if you think you know because it involves some kind of big thing in in history or in pop culture history, that sort of thing, you expect that to be the headline, and it isn't normally the headline. Um, let's take Inglorious Bastards for for example. They kill Hitler in that film, but that's not the main storyline at all. That's not. That's just a byproduct. That just happens to happen in the film. You know, it's not what the film was all about. Um, this one, you know, it's about what happens, um, that fateful night, but it, it doesn't really, that's not the main feature. It's just a byproduct of the fact that they got home drunk and high and, you know, it all just happened to take place at the same time. That's why I love the film because it's its own storyline with its own themes, with its own characters, with its own, you know, an actor struggling to, to get traction in the world and him, him having to do different things to find work and mm. then we happen to have the interaction with you know the mansons and all that and you know that i just find it i love the fact that it's just so kind of off center like it's just great it's just excellent in that sense it and really the, is and the writing is great and you know the casting is great and the setting is great and the recreation for the sets are great and like it's just wonderful, and it gives us the the outcome that that so many deserve to have instead of what we what what really happened. You know, um, it it took the piss out of a piece of shit. You know, a bit like Inglorious Bastards, where it took the piss out of a piece of shit like Hitler. It took the the yep. piss out of them. It, it it beat them down. It made them look stupid. It gave them a really horrific ending, but because they deserved it. And and what's interesting is that you know, unlike early. Uh, Tarantino films which were just so ridiculously violent but because that's what you expected yeah this one had became cultured this time yeah look it had violence in it and it had really some really over the top violence but it was down to the last five minutes of the film we saw anything that was any sort of violence Um, and you earn it yeah you you earn it and the people deserve it but not just that Um, it it is 
it's it's all kind of again it's incidental rather than kind of that's the aim it just things happened by accident he mm. happened to have a you know a, a, a flamethrower there he happened to have that not he did that on purpose to have that there yeah. It all just accidentally happened, and then it just... It's the calm manner in which he... Like, he's he's freaking out in the pool, but then he gets out and just casually walks in and gets it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just... A, it's, it's a mess. So, just, the way he walks out, it's, it's so it's funny. A, it's a mess, but it's a great storyline. Oh, yes, it's a little it bit is. on the long side, but I don't have an issue with that at all, and I really yeah, no, enjoyed I it. I don't care. I want to see the extended cut. No, I, I'm I'm with you there. I I, I loved it so much. Yeah. And again, I I'm such a huge fan of DiCaprio. I think that everything that he acts in, he does he does a fantastic job. And then to have Brad yeah. Pitt there, what's interesting, Brad Pitt almost gets more attention than he kind of needs, if you know what I mean. In the sense that the the roles that he tends to play and the way that he acts and the fact that he takes characters like this, he doesn't give a shit about you know the attention that he gets for it. He it just comes naturally to him. But he does such a good job of playing these kind of not typical Hollywood roles, and he does it so often. But he does it so well. His career into that now, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. The day he stopped taking the the dashing leading man roles, I think, is the day his career actually soared. Yeah, I, I would I would agree, and and I mean, I very recently watched a film called Twelve Monkeys. Um, oh, very nice! You got a Terry Gilliam film. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's Ooh. interesting the role that Brad Pitt plays in that is, it that's that just that's quintessential Pitt. He can he's such yeah. a good diverse actor, but he is typecast as the kind of leading leading man or like suave, sophisticated, you know, hotshot. You've seen him in Snatch, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he can he can oh, do he- such a good job. I mean, even if you look at Inglorious Bastards, he plays such an an unusual kind of stupid yeah. American, you know, Aldo the Apache, but he's a legend and I love his character in that. Like, I love his character in that. Mm. And I love his character in this. You know, it, it's such a g- great film. Um, it is. And Margot Robbie as well is plays such an innocent, lovely... It's such a lovely, innocent portrayal, I think, in that film. And gives yeah. the respect that, that's earned. So, yeah, I love the film. It's, it's at number three for me. Drew, go. Excellent. All right, my number three. Now, if I'm being completely honest about this, I think number three is actually the best movie of the year. Mm-hmm. It is. But this is my top ten where I name my favorites. Yep. And, oh, God, like, it could it could be number one, but I, I think it, even when I look back later, I'm, I'm going to stand by my list. I think number three is the best movie of the year, and that is Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And it's number three because one and two, I think I just like a little more. Mm-hmm. But Jojo Rabbit had this unique thing, and I can't go into detail <laughs> because you haven't seen it yet, but Jojo Rabbit made me cry with laughter and it made me cry with sadness in the one movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm. it's very rare to have that happen. I laughed so hard that I wept in scenes. There are things that have... Like, there were such funny scenes in there that have already... like I reference this movie a lot now already. Um, 
I went to see it with Jesse at the preview screening and some of the lines in that movie have already just become in-jokes because it was so ridiculous and so funny. And then there were moments in there that were just so genuinely shocking that I just welled up and, and I just cried and cried because I couldn't believe, but I could believe because it was real and these things happened. Mm. But to see it depicted actually made a huge difference. Taika does an amazing job. He does. And, and I think I made this point after the movie as well, that it's a tightrope act and he he just nailed it. I, I'm still in shock that this movie exists. Mm-hmm. It's it's like how I feel about Tropic Thunder. I I can't believe that it got made. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough. I'm I'm. Uh, mm. you, like I know you're you're gonna watch it in the next day or two. I I know. Yeah. But. Well, what it what it does oh, is it, it it puts it it puts it at absolute kind of key placing for movie of the year for two thousand and. Uh, uh, 2020 for me <laughs> for you for you yes it does yeah. it does and and you'll you'll understand when when you watch i i know i'm gonna get the messages from you i'm gonna get spammed mm-hmm. after you see it there's just there's things in here that should be seen because people need to see it and i thought it was so incredibly relevant for what's going on in the world right now I think we need this movie more than anyone realizes because I think we need to be able to see just how nonsensical everything that's happening right now actually is. Fantastic. It puts well, so many things into perspective. Well, I, I, yeah, I can't wait to see it and hopefully it's out already. If not, you know, give it a week and I'll be there. I, I just want to take a moment to observe the fact that Frozen 2 has not come up in your list yet, so I'm wondering if you're saving it for the top two. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I haven't named it either, have I? (laughs) Shut up, don't you dare. Don't you dare. (laughs) Drew, don't you dare. Okay. All right. All right, let it go. Number two. Get the... (laughs) Drew, how fucking dare you? How dare you... You've just ruined the entirety of our lists by that. No, I haven't. Just yes, you have. Number two. <laughs> Jesus. Go, go, go. Number two is Doctor Sleep. That's where Doctor Sleep sits for me. Yes. I really loved that movie so much. I know you did. Yeah, yes. I, it blew Good. me away. Um, uh, I what thought a movie. That, yeah, I mean, casting was fantastic. I thought that the acting was fantastic. I thought that the way they... Um, you know, expanded on the world was fantastic. I thought that they built on The Shining was fantastic because Sarah and I watched it the night before and went to saw it the next day. We and loved we the way it expanded. Stephen it. King's version of vampires. Yeah, exactly. And and I loved the take that he had on it. You know, it's oh. not the same as what everyone else does. It's it's the no. same concept but different. Um, and how good was Rebecca Ferguson leading them? Ah, uh, so you you her. weren't you weren't sure if she was kind or evil or what. You know, you weren't no. sure. Um, I love the way that we had the strength from, I, I've lo- I, the name escapes me, um, the girl in it, the, the little girl, I thought that she did, and am- yeah, a- a- yeah, Abra, but I can't remember the, the actor's name, um, but she did an amazing job. Um, she did, she really did. Yeah, she, you know, she gave us the, it's interesting, normally when it's a kid in there or something like that, you're expecting them to kind of fuck up or make mistakes and go wrong, but it was her, comf- it was kind of, it, Excuse me. In some ways, it was refreshing to see the confidence 
from someone that you didn't expect to have the confidence and not in an arrogant way. You know, you expected her to be making mistakes, but really she was letting things happen the way that she wanted them to. She was, she was, the the game was her own chess piece and she was being dominant. She was dominating in this world and it was catching everyone by surprise. Um, Again, I love the way we expanded on what The Shining was. I love the fact that Donnie wasn't this, wasn't Dr. Sleep. That was just a nickname given to him because he worked in our hospital because the, the Shining happened to help him in that way. But, you know, he was he was a mess. He was he was on um, Alcoholics Anonymous programs and stuff like that. Like, he yeah. was a mess. Um, and then the way he kind of summoned up his demons to, to, to defeat you know, the vampires and defeat the, the evil in his own world. He used his own evil to beat the mm. evil. And I loved it. And I thought the story was excellent. Again, I love the consultation with Stephen King. That's the way you need to do it. Please look to this in the future. If you're going to, you know, try and adapt books or anything like that, get the writer involved. Um, yeah, it was an amazing film. I loved it so much. And it definitely is my number two. Good That's choice. That. Thank you. Your number two, Drew is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, there you go. That's where it sits. Yep. It Look, it, oh, it could have been number one. It easily could have been number one. Yeah. And I, I think I thought for a while that it would be. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm the same, actually. But it, and like, Dr. Sleep. I, I, stand, I stand by my number one because my number one is my favorite movie of the whole year. Mm-hmm. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is... It's just... It's Tarantino-matured... He's aged like good whiskey, and it the movie just oozes class. It it's him, but it's it's different, mm-hmm. and it's matured and really nuanced. And I think it's a crowning achievement for him. I, I, I really agree. believe that. Like, I mean, I I, I think. I think, Drew, it, it really puts Tarantino up there in terms of... It, it, it really shows his script writing ability. I think this Doesn't what this film just... does is... Yeah, I think it really... I mean, I saw I, we saw that with Hateful Eight as being like um, a, yeah. a, a, a... It was a stage play on film. This was definitely a film with a great script. We, we always knew he could write a scene. Mm-hmm. Then we learnt that he could write dialogue. Case mm-hmm. in point, uh, Hans Landers sit down at the beginning of Inglorious Bastards, yeah. the sit-down scene in the farmhouse. Yeah. Then we had The Hateful Eight, which just, that was something else, because he wrote this dialogue-heavy movie, and it still had the gratuitous violence, but it, it I don't know, you, you could see that he's starting to shift a little. Yeah. But I feel like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the culmination of all of that. Yeah. It has finally all come together well for him, and he just hits the floor running, and I love everything about that movie. And I, at no point did I feel like the three hours were dragging along. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Mm. Not the first time I watched it, and certainly not the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I loved that movie. The only thing I didn't love was the second viewing, sitting in a tiny little dendy to watch <laughs> it because it felt like it should have been on a massive screen. Yeah, it doesn't do it justice, that, does Dendy? No, it doesn't. That said, that said, I enjoyed watching it the second time, 
and I enjoyed watching Jesse reacting to watching it the first time. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Like, you know, when you see a great movie and then you take someone to watch it and mm-hmm. you get to see them experience what you Yeah, you get to, exactly. You get to glance over and look at them and see if they're feeling the same way that you did. Yeah, and, and I, I got to enjoy that for three hours and it was awesome. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just love the movie. I really loved it. And I don't know if it's my favorite Tarantino or not, because I have a lot of love for Inglorious Bastards, but mm-hmm. it's either sitting at first or second for me for him. Yeah. And it's, and it's second for the year for me. Um, now I want to know your number one for the year. Now my number one for the year, again, it's based on the fact that I'm using UK and UK release dates. And also, um, when we actually viewed these things, um, yeah. So my film for the year, it's actually it is Vice. It's actually Vice. Um, so it released. I, I got ruled it out. Yeah, see, I know you ruled it out. See, I was never going to let it be ruled out because I let it I stay in there. It. I let it stay in there because in the UK it released on the twenty fifth of January, and we saw it in January. So that's why it gets to, it gets to stay in there. And again, I live in the UK now, so I get justification and I get get exception oh. on that one. Now, um, do, it nearly killed me to leave it off the list. And, and, and I think, it, and see, and that's why when I was going through and I was looking up the, the release dates for everything, I couldn't have done that. We haven't done a 2018 list. We're doing a 2019 list. It's going to make it harder for 2018 list when we do that. But I didn't see it then. We saw it in 2019. And also, it's interestingly one film that I've probably referred to in conversation more than any other film. It's a film that I've probably seen more than any other film this year. I think I've seen it four times this year. Um, wow. I've yeah. watched it once. Yeah, we saw it the once. I went and watched it. Um, I downloaded it and watched it again. I watched it on the, a flight this year, and then I had a conversation with someone about it, and I watched it again then. Um, so a, fil- a film that I've probably seen the most this year, and I'm still not sick of it or bored of it. Um, no. I would happily watch it again the themes that it kind of touches on and that Annapurna kind of way of telling a story, a bit like the big short telling a story like that is just Mm. amazing. They have such an interesting way of, of explaining things. They have an interesting way of, um, I like Annapurna films. I love, I love them. I mean, again, and and they, they choose their scripts. Well, they, they do choose their scripts well, so well. And, and, and again, the way it tells the story, the way it kind of, casually explains what they need to explain the way they seriously explain what they need to explain seriously Mm. the way they portray these really significant and like dirty gritty sort of ways of telling things um the way that they're i mean if you look at dick cheney they're making him look like an arsehole but at the same time they're giving justification to be that arsehole because he kind of needs to be and it's also just a fascinating story on how he got to be where he was I said I think, it at the time when, when we got out of the cinema, he's necessary evil. Yeah, he is. And again, whether you agree with what happened or not, that's fine. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but it's just so interesting about getting to power like that. He did, um, but, but he did what he felt had to be done. And I, I think that mirrors what Donald Trump's doing right now. I think he's doing what he thinks needs to be done. Unfortunately, I don't, don't whether, agree with... Exactly. Yeah, it yeah. comes down to opinion. Whether, whether, you, whether you agree with it or not is irrelevant. The man is in power doing mm. what he thinks needs to be done. 
the only difference between the two of them is that Cheney had the foresight to know that in that day and age and in that time it was easier to do that or or probably wiser for him to do that through mm. a figurehead yeah exactly um whereas trump would never allow that to happen but um no yeah i i think that i think that um it's it's interesting showing that you know dick cheney was very much like a big diesel locomotive the way that he just kind of had the burn and just kept on going and you know never relented never slowed up and just kept on going and churning away till he got what he needed to get done um mm. and and yeah look it's a it's such a strong film and if anyone hasn't seen it you got to see it the way that they they Agreed. portray and show <laughs> George Bush with um um Sam Rockwell in there or George W Bush with Sam Rockwell. Sam, um, Sam Rockwell's had a stellar year. He has had a stellar year. Absolutely, I'm just, he just has. just saying, between Vice and Jojo Rabbit, oh my mm-hmm. goodness. But even in recent memory, we've got three billboards outside Missouri. We've got, was it seven psychopaths? Yeah. Or six yeah, psychopaths? seven psychopaths. Seven that psychopaths. was quite a while ago, though. Yeah, but, but in the last couple of years, you know, the way he's kind of had yeah. this resurgence to having these kind of strong, kind it's of off-center great, roles... Right? Um, but yeah, look, Vice is definitely my number one. I yeah, saw it this year. I, I live it. in a country where it came out this year. I know it kind of hurts for you that you couldn't include it based on the fact that one, we live in a, you live in Australia, and two, you're going by the US release date. Um, oh, I, I couldn't avoid it. Yeah. it. It had to be there, and it had to be right I up there. You. I loved um, it. And I look again. We adored it. Yeah, I- I- exactly. We we both did. We remember when we were, we were sitting there after when while yeah. the credits were going, and we we're just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Like that was we don't we didn't know whether to laugh yeah. or cry about how like amazingly shocking the film was because it's yeah. amazingly we went shocking. To watch it at um, Bondi Junction. Yeah. Jeez, what a yeah. And what was That's interesting great. as well. So I've had conversations with um, Sophia's boyfriend James about it, and, and we we spoke yep. about it. He, it's funny, I. He's quite political, and I wouldn't have expected him to like the film. But he he said that he quite liked the film, and I was surprised by that because I, I, you know, what what gave me reassurance then was it that, that that it did a good job at showing, you know, at not being too Hollywood with the idea or the storyline, or not being too um, kind of dramatized in the storylines, or taking too many liberties. Yeah. It did quite a good job then of portraying it based on his kind of. Um, confidence in it i guess um yeah look besides all that i love the film and i i love the kind of that sort of wordy gritty kind of messy realistic that's just how the world is kind of storyline that's why i loved it look my top 10 is kind of grit heavy at this end um the top end but it is what it needs to be look most of those top five could have been in any order Vice had to be at the top for me. And now, Drew, you're number one for 2019. I, s- I swear if you say Frozen 2, I will kill you. I may have guessed it. I think I may know it. Let me know. Booksmart. Yep, okay, I guessed it. Good. Yeah. Booksmart. A, a relatively small release. It feels very independent. Mm-hmm. It's the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, which is just... I still am wrapping my head around that. 
not not that it was her directing per se, but that she, as a first-time director, just knocked it out of the park. And I feel a, a teeny tiny bit hypocritical about my placement of this, given my opinions on Joker. Because Joker essentially gets booted out for me because it's a repeat of Taxi Driver. And many could argue that Booksmart is a gender bend on Superbad. Yep. However, Superbad was like, like <sighs> this was written more for now. By the way, I think Superbad was relevant to when it came out, and I think that this is more relevant to now. S- Superbad is relevant for when it came out, but I think Superbad is a very blokey movie that appealed to men and women, mm-hmm. whereas Booksmart. Booksmart was not designed to appeal to men because I don't think it gave a shit about men. Mm-hmm. It was designed, or at least I felt like it was designed to be real and to be realistic about young women and how they feel, how they're treated, and how they are perceived and how they perceive themselves. And. I just, I loved that every moment of that movie felt real. I like the soundtrack. The soundtrack is outstanding. Um, Just every bit of music in it was curated perfectly for its scene and for the overall story. The cast are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Olivia Wilde's other half, Jason Sudeikis, is in the movie playing the school principal, Mm -hmm. who also moonlights as an Uber driver. It's... Like, it's excellent. Your two lead actresses, one of whom is the sister of Jonah Hill, just to mm-hmm. really drive that that connection home, they are fantastic. They have incredible chemistry together. They, they really, they feel like sisters. They feel like best friends. It, it does serve its purpose. But I think... I can't even put my finger on what it is exactly that I love about this movie or why it gets my number one. It just, I watched it and I just felt like it was a fantastic film. It was everything I enjoy in a movie. It surprised me. It did everything that I could have wanted it to do, but I didn't even know what I wanted it to do because I just knew that it looked interesting and I knew that I would kick myself if I didn't go to see it. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, and when I, w- I watched it on your recommendation and I loved it, I thought it was amazing as well. Like, I thought it. Yeah. I think that it had more heart than what Superbad did, that's for sure. It did. It mm. really did. And I think it executed certain things better than Superbad did. I think it stuck the landing. I thought the ending was bang on, like, absolutely bang on. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. were just moments of cinematography that got me. There's there's this brilliant scene toward the end where the girls are arguing in the middle of the party and the camera is just working its way around them through the argument. And as it's going through, you notice that everyone else in this flooded room just slowly stops talking and it goes quiet as they're still yelling and the phones are coming out and they're filming the argument, but it's so intense and you're so connected between the two of them that you almost forget that there's anything else going on until the camera pulls back and you're like, oh, oh. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's a tight script. 
well performed, well directed. It just it for me it checked every box. It it really did, and I want more movies like that. I want us to be going out there making movies like that. Yeah, that's when the sort I of thing about, we need to aim for. Yeah, like when I think of the stuff that you and I talk about that we want to do, it falls into categories with things like this. Mm. The, they're the stories that I want to tell. They're the stories you want to tell. And it's so inspiring to see things that feel fresh and again i know it's seems hypocritical but original because i do believe it's original yeah no i i i completely agree i mean i i look i again we're looking at at regards to Booksmart. um i see the comparisons to you see i'm a massive kind of um advocate of the whole idea of being against um gender twists on films Again, yep. looking at yep. the Oceans films, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters you know, those sorts yep. of things. Um, yep. I don't put that in that in this category because no. Yes, it's the kind of thing of it's that it's the gender switch of super bad, but it's also not. The, They're it's, not the same story, though. No, it's it's not. Look, it's it's it is a similar story, but that's okay that it's similar because it's not the same story. It's it isn't that. This to is me, different. For me, it's like comparing Porky's to American Pie. Yeah, and look, this has different beats. This this has very different beats. And again, this one feels... Whereas Superbad feels like an Apatow comedy, this doesn't yeah. feel like an Apatow comedy. This feels no. like this feels like an indie kind of nice, interesting kind of coming into the world sort of story or growing yeah. up sort of story, just in the similar setting. That's why I don't think it's the same thing. So I completely I respect that that's your number one. Um, um, yeah. Look, we're... God, we've, we knew we were going to go over, to be fair. Uh, look, overall, it was a big year for movies. Um, mm-hmm. We're, we're going to dive into the honourable and dishonourables in a second, but mm-hmm. just, just, to, just to give you a bit of a recap of what actually came out this year. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go through every single one, but mm-hmm. God, there were movies like Glass. Mm-hmm. Yep. How to Train Your Dragon Three, um, Alita, Battle Angel, mm-hmm. uh, Captain Marvel, The Lego Movie Two. We went and saw Destroyer back mm-hmm. in March with Nicole Kidman. Shazam. Uh, Dumbo. Shazam. Uh, the Curse of the Weeping Woman. Long Shot. Detective Pikachu. John Wick Three. Aladdin. Brightburn. Uh, Godzilla 2, which, by the way, I bought a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Um, it was that or us, and I chose Godzilla 2. That, <laughs> like, yeah, go figure. Uh, <laughs> Men in Black International, um, The Lion King, Annabelle Comes Home, Spider-Man. Stuber, Fast, yeah, Spider-Man, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw, uh, Good Boys, Zombieland 2, Last Christmas, Frozen 2. Terminator. Um, Charlie's Angels. Pardon? Terminator. Terminator. Terminator, the dark horse of the year that I didn't even wind up seeing. I'm really I didn't see it either. That. I'm really disappointed I didn't see it. And I didn't see um, see uh, Zombieland 2 either. Oh, Zombieland 2 was so good. I, I won a double pass for that. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, all right. Dishonorable mentions. I think we can both agree on the first one. Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's definitely on yeah. the list. Um, look, do you want me to rattle through my five that I've got? Go for it. I've got 
Curse of the Weeping Woman is on there. Um, really? Yeah, look, it's it's one of the ones from the world of the Conjuring. Conjuring universe. Um, uh, I, I, I really didn't like it. It may be the setting that I watched it on the plane, but at the same time... Yeah. My, my issue with all of these kind of universe films, besides the two Conjuring films... Yeah. I'm, I'm it was fun B grade. I've not had a fan. I'm not a fan of any of the Annabelle films. I haven't seen Annabelle Comes Home, mind you, but I'm not a fan of any of them that I've seen. Have you not seen Annabelle Comes Home yet? No, I've just missed it, and I've been trying to get a, a good copy of it so I could watch it kind of properly. I, um, I really liked it. I, I yeah, think see, I I'm, saw it twice. I, I'm hoping I, I really that that one. It. Well, I'm hoping that one breaks the kind of the the curse of the the Conjuring universe. Well, it's got universe. the Warrens. Yeah, that's why I may like it. Um, yeah. I hate the Nun. I hate Annabelle. I hate Annabelle creation. The, the nun um, is disappointing. I think that they're all not very good. They all miss the beats, but just trying to they 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 um they don't they're not generous with the attempt at script um, in terms I, of the, the the goodness of the script. But they try to live too much off the Conjuring name, and I think that is another unforgivable sin. In that you're I just trying to live off of your name. Mm. I haven't watched Annabelle Creation yet, but I saw Annabelle, and, and honestly, Annabelle Comes Home, out of all the spin-offs, I, th- I think it's the best one by a country mile. So, yeah. I, I, I do think you should give it a look. I, 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 I want to. I like it or not. I, I want I, to, I, though. I honest, yeah, I, I know you do. I, I honestly, I have no idea whether or not you're going to like it. But what I can say for it, in its defense, is that 90% of the movie is in the Warren house. Yeah, I like that. And that... And turning the Warren house into a madhouse of mm. demonology mm-hmm. with all all the stuff running amok. It's like Night at the Museum in the Warren house. Yeah, I'm excited for that. That's, and, and to me, that's it's not trying to be anything else. And that's no. awesome. It's and that's why fun. I'm going to watch it's, it. That's like, why I'm going to love it, a, I think. It's a B-grade movie that's going to just be a wild ride. It's not going to have the class and... and and intelligence and all of that other stuff that the conjuring films have, but it doesn't try to like the other ones did. Yeah. And, but and see, that's why I think curse of the weeping woman gets a dishonorable mention because it's, it's, it's doing too much. Yeah. It, it's doing too much. What, yep. um, the other Annabelle films, films did, and that's live off the, the title and the, the universe it yep. sits in too much. So it's on there. Pet cemetery is definitely on there. Glass oh. is a dishonorable mention as well. Yeah. Glass made mine. Yeah. Glass is on there right. because it completely ruined everything that he was doing. Uh, look, everyone knows the also, troubles that... it ended. it ended when we thought it was halfway through. Yeah, exactly. M. Night Shyamalan, I think, has struggled for a long time with writing films. Everyone knows oh that God. he's kind of lost his edge. But then he came back out and went smack out of the baseball uh, park, out of the park, I should have just said, yeah, with, um, um... With, with Split. Yeah. And then we got Glass, which everyone was like, awesome. It's these two two of his greatest stories are coming back to roost, and what are we going to get? And he did a great job, and then the final 15 minutes, he shot over, all over, everything that he did that was good, ruined the film completely, typical Shyamalan ruining everything. Do you know what it felt like? What's that? Like, like, like when we got to the end and the credits rolled, mm-hmm. it, honest to God felt like Monty Python and the Holy Grail <laughs> when at the very end randomly the police cars all just drive in to the medieval era and, and take <laughs> the entire cast and chuck them in the cars and go yeah it just an ending it's like what 
No, not that's now. what it felt like. Well, it almost felt it's... like in Vice when they just they had the credits start coming up halfway through the film. They had the credits come up. Yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. nah, just kidding. Yeah. That's what yeah, I was hoping yeah. for, and we didn't get that. So was I because I I swear it felt like we were at the halfway point mm-hmm. because they were talking about the build up to this this great big thing happening at the end of the movie mm-hmm. that ne- they never even got to. We never got to it, and he introduced something new instead, and that was it. It made me so mad. It was um, just... Now, oh. it's, in- it's interesting that you, you bought, were choosing between us and Godzilla 2. Godzilla 2 is on my dishonorable mentions. Reason it's on there is because they once again fucked up the easiest thing you could do, and that's a Godzilla movie, okay. I think. Okay. Um, okay. I think that I think the amount of Godzilla, excellent. The casting... For the most part, excellent. Um, again, a I bit don't like think you can ever go wrong with Kyle Chandler. No, exactly. Or having Millie Bobby Brown, like they went for the flavor of the month, yeah. just like they did in the last one when it was Brian Cranston for Breaking and Bad Aaron was the flavor Johnson. of the month. And then they went for this one. I think they doubled, well, they more than doubled the amount of Godzilla on screen, which is excellent. It's what you needed to, yeah. do, to do. I appreciate also, the monsters all... that they chose. Also, they, yes, they made it designed for the biggest screen possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which, Can't fault him on that. But I think that the script was oh, average. It's terrible. Average. It's Very terrible. average. And that's why um, it's not forgivable. I think it, they did yeah. too much wrong with it. And I think that the fact that they're stuffing up that something so easy, like a Godzilla film, is pathetic. Like, you have to try really hard to fuck it up. And they're clearly yeah. trying really hard to fuck it up. Um, Look, I. I don't mm-hmm. argue with any of those points. The reason I bought it is because I just it's a monster film. I enjoy monster movies, and I loved that this did what the first one didn't. And I rewatched the first one before going to see the second one, mm. and I remembered just exactly why I thought it was a waste of time. Like, I mean, look, I know look. There are some of my but... no. I think anyone, if anyone thinks that the first Godzilla is fantastic, you're an idiot. Because um, yeah, it's not. It's, it's got so it's much not. wrong with it. Who gives a it's shit not. about Aaron Johnson or whatever his name is? Like, no yeah. one does. No there's, one does. Besides handful, Kickass, no one does. There's a handful of great scenes in the first Godzilla, but the second yeah. one. Yeah. fact, so many things better. In fact, oh it's got God. it's got two of my favorite scenes in cinema in the first Godzilla. But it's an oh, awful film. The halo jump, and also that moment when you think Godzilla's over and out. And then suddenly you hear that awesome kind of electronic sound of like the electricity building up and then Godzilla and the blue starting to appear and, you know, through Godzilla's tail yeah. and then him just destroying. Them. That's fantastic. But besides that, shit ass, total garbage, total waste yep. of time. Um, yep. Now, I think that this one was a stark improvement, but still, yep. yeah, not very good. Um, and then my final dishonorable mention is Toy Story 4. Wonderful special oh, effects. We're get through wonderful, the no, it. absolutely not. Wonderful special effects, and I think that Pixar have done a fucking amazing job. But I think that they've given us a epilogue to something that didn't need it, and I think that they undid the significance of the ending of the third one. And I think you should only do a sequel if it's going to improve on the work that you did before. But well, it's, it, I think coder. that this film is so much a quantum of solace to Casino Royale. Casino Royale, in this case, being the first three films, and this one being Quantum of Solace, in that it made the kind of culmination of the previous three, the trilogy, come to an end in such a magnificent, wonderful ending, 
mm. you know, riding off into the sunset, that's it, to then this kind of tacking on the end when it really didn't need to be there. Waste of time, waste of effort, you just, you blew it, in my mind. You fucked up yeah. your own work because you got greedy. It was so unnecessary. You did such a great job with your special effects. There was not enough buzz in it. There was not enough of the other characters in it. You focused too much on something that could... This could have been a release like the summer ones or the Christmas ones that they do, those short sort of ones. This is what that could have been. The fact that you made it a feature film means that this means more to you than the, the, the way that you ended the last one, and that is bullshit. So I don't like it. That's what I've got for that. Um, that's my opinion on that. Drew, before you get interrupted because you're up really late, go for it. What have you got? Is that it? Is that all your list? You got nothing else? I had Hellboy in there as well. Totally fair. And I've had a whole discussion about Hellboy today. Yes. With a mate who is as invested in film as we are. And I, I, I didn't hate it. I mm-hmm. think the reason it gets the dishonorable is because it's not the Hellboy movie that we deserved. <laughs> no. We deserved we deserved Hellboy three from Guillermo del Toro with Ron mm-hmm. Perlman. That's what we wanted. Like I am a massive Del Toro fan. It's all I wanted to see. I just wanted to see a follow up to the Golden Army. I think they could have done it. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, the powers that be did not make it possible. So yeah. we got this Hellboy. I don't even remember who directed it. Like That's where I'm at with it. All, like, the most redeeming feature in the whole movie is that David Harbour plays a really good Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Like, like he, he's great in the role. If anyone were to take it over, he's the man to do it. Yeah. And 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 he's flavor of the month coming off Hopper in Stranger Things. Yep, exactly. Choice. No, and absolutely. Looks like him. Like no, I the size and the, I like, completely like, agree. Oh, that's there. Thought and even Ian McShane playing the professor was, was a good choice. But terrible movie like <laughs> it 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 dives into the history nicely. Like like it does all those sorts of things really well. The visual effects are cool. Mila Jovovich is cool as the villain. Like like there, like there's so many cool points, but they're not enough to save it from a bad script and bad handling of secondary characters. And it just annoyed the crap out of me. Yeah. It just it it should have done more, but it didn't. That's why it's Anyway. Yeah, let's get to your honourable mentions. Um, I've got three, because I'm uh, very aware of the time that we're going on for, and the time that it is for yep. you. Um, yep. I have on my list Destroyer, Shazam, and Booksmart. Yep. I think that they are three fantastic films, um, just not enough to Good make choices. it onto the top ten, but I think that they are excellent films. Happy with all three of them. I think the surprise of the year was definitely Destroyer. Um, oh, yeah. I, with, I, I mean, I, I was... I had big things and big opinions going into seeing Booksmart and Shazam and was very happy with them. Very, you know, I felt incredibly satisfied with them. But Destroyer, I had no expectations and that, I thought that was excellent. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And in fact, in um, fact, in fact, I've got one more as well and that is um, Instant yeah. Family as well. I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, that's definitely on the list as well. Again, that was another one that Sarah and I just spontaneously went to the movies and went, let's see something. And we saw that and we thought it was excellent. Cool. Yep. Um, all right. Honorable mentions. Uh, look, I only put five on here. There is a sixth one. And, and look, honestly, half the movies I saw this year 
could in theory go into this um joker yeah honorable again i only have one problem with it um spider-man far from home which was just awesome yeah so good oh definitely that should be on my list as well for hours about it um i know you i know you 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 condemn this but frozen 2 is actually on there because true no I, i can justify it because i think frozen the the first frozen movie is not that good I'm like I'm sorry to all of those of you that thought it was this wonderful, awesome thing. I don't hate on it because it's fun to hate on it. I hate on it because I think it's just genuinely not that good a story. It's not that good a movie. It has some good music in it and some good songs in it, sure. But the fact that it's a movie that just tries to go from song to song, the, the dialogue is designed in such a way to just carry you to the next song. Frozen 2 actually has a good solid story to it. It goes into into the the magic and the history of the magic and how it all links to everything. It just it has deeper connection, it has deeper stories, deeper character study. It does the things that the first one could have and should have done, but it does it so much better than the first one would have done even if they tried to do it properly. So I, I really liked it. Um, Us makes the list as mm-hmm. well. Um, the Lego Movie 2, which I, I, I think that's grossly underrated and I think more people should have seen it because the Lego Movie was such a big phenomenon. I think because we had Lego Batman and then Lego Ninjago coming out directly after, I think that it just got oversaturated. So by the time the sequel came out, no one paid attention. Yeah, that's true. I still haven't seen the first and one, so I need to make sure that I do that. <laughs> you got to watch it. Yes, and I and I did have a sixth one that should like it should sit in honorable mentions, and that's Aladdin. Aladdin was awesome. Fair Guy Ritchie did such a good job, and everyone went on and on and on before before the Disney live action films of the year came out. They're like, "Oh, Aladdin's going to be rubbish. The Lion King's going to be this amazing thing." You know what? The Lion King goes on my dishonorable mentions. <laughs> Fair what enough. A disappointment that was. Well, it's the same story. It would, oh, but of course, it was. disappointment. It was a, Visually yeah. stunning, an absolute treat, and yeah, it earned its ticket price for the visuals, but not the rest of it. Aladdin, on the other hand, was so good. It didn't copy the original. It made necessary changes, and turns out Will Smith was perfect as the genie. He was absolutely perfect. We got to the... That was our family trip to the movies, that one. And we got to the end, and Mum and I turned to each other and went, we need to go watch that again. And we went again, like, two days later, we went and watched it again. I love that that, that, that kind of commitment to seeing it. We Good on you guys. It. it was so much fun. So, yeah. Yeah, Aladdin makes the list, too, for the honourable mentions. Anyway... It's about that time. Yes, yeah. it's time that we really quickly get to our sick hint of the week. Um, no, no kind of um, mucking about this time. Drew, who is our sick hint of the week? <laughs> Go for it. Oh, thanks. Because <laughs> I have no idea. Um, no, I know, I know who it is. Actually, actually, I, okay. I know who it is. I just need to. I need to double check the name. Oh my goodness. I just, I want to pronounce it correctly. 
Um, our sick end of the week is actually director Mike Flanagan, who directed Doctor Sleep. Excellent. That I'm very happy he, with that one. The reason he gets it is because he he did the almost impossible with that movie. But on top of that, if you don't know who he is, he's also the guy that created The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, so he he definitely deserves that one then. He the, the, the man's amazing, like what he's done. But he he did something incredible with Doctor Sleep. He made he adapted it, but he also did it in a way that served as a sequel to The Shining as both a book and a film. Mm-hmm. And he rectified issues with The Shining movie that Stephen King was not happy about with how Stanley Kubrick adapted it. Mm-hmm. So he he course corrected The Shining in a, in subtle ways in making Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Look, I and, complete... And just, I so completely cool. he agree. He made an awesome movie that was yeah. one of our favorites for the year. Yeah, I completely agree. And it was on both our top tens. Completely so, yeah. agree. Happy with that Mike one. Mike Flanagan. Okay. Script writer, director, sick end of the week. Well done. That, that's our sick end of the week. That's the end of the show. Look, let's call it there. We're so far over time. You've got to get to bed. I've got to get to dinner. It's quarter past five. Mum's already looked in and wondered why I'm even Why awake, the hell are you so. still awake? Go to bed, Drew. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've made it this far, hopefully you did. If not, it's totally fine. Um, We'll see you next week. Yeah, back again next week. And, yeah, let's talk more, Drew, off off air about what we do for the the top tens and all that and see if we do that. But, uh, no, thank you, everyone, for listening to our top ten films of 2019. Hopefully we have another big year of film in 2020. Let's see. Thank you all. Drew, how do we end the show? Yep. 